Just because you've selected a list of 20 languages to start and you do your marketing in 20 languages and you have your registration in 20 different languages doesn't mean that you'll need all 20 at the event. Mm. You're going to see who you were able to reach, who actually registered, and based on that information you plan for what languages will you offer at the event. How are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants, and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events? so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way that's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of. That's the question. And the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Pfeiffer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Today, I brought into Green Room Central Studios Gabriella Seabach, Director of Interpreting Services at Sesco Linguistic Services. With over 15 years of experience in the language industry, Gabriella has mastered the art of managing flawless multilingual events. She applies her expertise to helping others reach linguistically diverse audiences and create inclusive multilingual events. Gabriella supports the language needs of small meetings and large conferences throughout the Americas and Europe, as well as virtual and hybrid events anywhere in the world. Gabriella, welcome to Green Room Central Studios. Say hello to Lynchpin Nation. Hello, hello. I'm so thrilled you're here today. This is going to be super special because we've never talked about this on the podcast. And I know that there are a pretty big handful of our listeners who are ready to kind of take things to the next level. And this is definitely a way of doing it by expanding into multilingual events and making it not just in English only, but embracing the other parts of our community around the globe. So I might have just tipped my hand a little bit on what your superpower is, but why don't you tell us? What do you think your superpower is as it relates to events? First of all, thank you for having me. And I think that my superpower when it relates to events is languages, um, really being able to create a multilingual event. You have this amazing guide, and we'll put it in the show notes. Of, it's called the Definitive Guide to Flawless Multilingual Events. And I was reading through it yesterday in prep for our conversation. And there's so much solid gold in here. And I was like writing down questions as I went through it and also feeling a little bit seen because you call out in, in here that people don't think about making their event multilingual until the last minute mm -hmm. and that you really have this goal of bringing up awareness about it being a thing and something that has to be planned for well in advance in order to do it really well. And I'm all about, I'm here for uh, excellence in events. And so that really rang true with me because every event that I've been involved with where, had, where we've had multiple languages, I have been brought that uh, gift at the very last minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's so much to think about and I want to get into that today about okay why uh, why we should start months before we're ready planning for this event to be multilingual well I mean 
to start, there's multiple levels to having a multilingual event. And if you wait until the last minute to start including the multilingual aspects of it, there are many steps that you're not going to get to take. You're going to come to the end and then all of a sudden have to provide something. Um, depending on the level of technicality of your event, depending on the brand and the message that you're looking to share, you may not have enough time to ensure that the interpreters and language professionals that are going to support your event are able to do it and stay true to your brand, stay true to your message. Not only that, but you miss out on a lot of opportunities of communication that can happen before the event takes place. Something as simple as a registration page. Having the registration page available in the event languages can really increase the number of participants that you have. You know, I'm always cautious about adding things, like I call them shiny objects, <laughs> to an event that might distract from and put the event at risk of achieving the, the purpose for which it was put in play. You know, I call mm -hmm. that the, the Y times two. Why are you doing this for the business and why are you doing this for the community? And I'm really cautious about adding shiny objects too late in the game because then I think we just put too many other pieces at risk. Mm -hmm. And adding language after kind of diving a little bit deeper into this than I have in the past, I'm realizing how much we put at risk if we're not thinking about it early enough. I mean, yeah, it's it can be a little bit confusing or stressful to do this, but in order to do it well, it's talking we're talking about we're talking about impacting so many things and you touched on a little bit things like venue things like staffing things like mm -hmm. the uh, materials the written materials like a registration page or email sequences there's a lot to think about right there absolutely is there's so many different aspects because language is really about communication so it's about all aspects of communication that go into the one event. So you can't have a multilingual event where everything is monolingual leading up to the event and following the event, and you only have bits and pieces that are multilingual throughout the event. Right now, when diversity, equity, and inclusion are at the forefront of so many people's minds, really making sure that your event can attract a diverse audience and making sure that it's inclusive to those members of diverse communities that may speak a different language requires that you really think about it at every step of the way that you are marketing in the multiple languages that you're looking to attract that you have registration pages or some way of being able to grab their contact information and their linguistic preferences and that you also are able to supply the language inf or the information in the language that they need whether it's written information or all of the presentations that are happening throughout the event. And the wanna, larger the event, the more complex that can be. Yeah, I wanna jump in and underline what you talked about there about stages. So we've got all of these different stages of mm -hmm. the process, right? We've got like the selling of it, the marketing, and then we've got the, the registration piece, and then we've got the, the communication piece leading up to the event to ensure that the people who decided to, to register actually show up and are excited mm -hmm. to do so and prepared to do so. And then we've got obviously the event itself and then we've got the follow-up. And all of those pieces are important from the standpoint of we're trying to drive revenue from our events as mm -hmm. uh, that, that's like the biggest reason why entrepreneurs are adding this to their businesses. And if 
it, it makes no sense in my mind to decide like, okay, we're gonna address our South American market and not just speak to our US market for this next event. And so let's add, is it, uh, it's called like a, it's an interpreter, right? When they're, mm -hmm. they're interpreting like the word, the, the spoken word Verbal. during the mm -hmm. event. I, that's what is something I learned from your guide. Translation versus interpreting. Translation is changing the written word into a different language. And then interpreting is changing the spoken word. into Spoken a or language. signed, because we cannot forget our deaf oh, and, audience members who may also signed. need the service. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so our minds might go to, okay, this is easy. I just need to get somebody who can get into the Zoom and, and interpret for us during the event. But then backing up, like if our Y times two is, you know, for the businesses to drive revenue and for the, um, our community is to kick off transformation, we're missing the boat if, if we're only doing in event interpreting services and forgetting all of these other stages of the event that are absolutely critical to converting our guests into sales, right? And, and unfortunately, that happens to many people. Um, there's so many times what I, where I get called last minute, there's an event, they want a last minute Portuguese or a last minute Spanish interpreter to join the event because they have one interested individual or five interested individuals that want to participate. If you're going to have the service, having had marketed the fact that the event was taking place in each of those languages, having had a registration form that the people speaking those languages would have been able to complete, you mm -hmm. could have maximized the number of participants that attend the service and your investment would have gone a lot further, even though there would have been additional language elements that you would have had to invest in, overall the event could have been more successful and you yeah. could have had a higher conversion of individuals that speak those languages. So good. So if we're now like, preaching to the choir and everyone is converted. Yes. Okay. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it well and I'm going to plan ahead. What does that look like? What kind of things do we need to think about? So in our guide, we outline a couple of different things that you can think about. One thing that we do recommend in there is having a language partner. So unless you already know what you will need in terms of language if you've been doing a lot of research and you understand exactly what you need at each stage of your event, whether it's the planning, the pre-work, the registration, and even the follow-up, mm -hmm. you might want to partner with the experts, people that know language, that understand and can guide you through each of those stages to make sure that you have the right elements in place. So what I'm hearing is there's, there's companies like yours totally mm -hmm. dedicated to flying into events and I mean like you know for the whole process right. and partnering with the event host and their team mm -hmm. and guiding them through this process absolutely okay so so you you call out things like questions that we need to answer that you're saying then a interpreting service or a, what do you call it linguistic service company i call it language services because oh, language it can include translation company. and interpreting as well so Got all it. of the language support that may be required okay so a language service company is what we're looking for mm -hmm. and you call out some great questions like we need to figure out what languages that we want to do this in we need to figure out 
what languages are going to be spoken during the event. Are we just speaking in English, but we want to interpret it to, you know, like Portuguese? Talking about the materials, going through all the stuff of like, you know, you said agendas and websites and registration stuff. And then I love that you, you also put in your guide like stuff about when do we need interpreters, like for what parts of the event and mm -hmm. even staffing uh, of the event and what, what needs do we have there. Tell me more about those kind of questions that a language services company can help us answer. First of all, you touched on a lot of different parts that happen at different stages of the event. Mm. Um, first, things first is what is the goal of the event? And I think that's the first thing that can help you start to iron some of those questions out. If you understand what the goal of your event, let's say the example that you gave earlier, you want to open the Latin American market. You can either do the research and understand what languages would be beneficial to offer because you're trying to enter the Latin American market maybe Portuguese because of Brazil and Spanish because of all of the Spanish speaking countries that are in Latin America. But there are other languages that are also spoken in Latin America and depending on who you're looking to target, who you're looking to bring into your event, mm -hmm. there may be things that you need to consider. So what is the goal of the event? What are you hoping to do with the event? And that starts to identify the diverse audience that you're trying to reach. And this is something that we all do. We know who our target audience is. We know who we're trying to reach and why we're trying to reach them. You bring in a language partner, you partner with them, you inform them of the goals. And if you don't have the languages already, let's say, for example, even if your audience is the U.S., the U.S. is very diverse in terms of the languages that are spoken. There are so many different communities that speak different languages. If you have a B2C and you're trying to reach individual consumers that may be requiring your services, you may be considering multiple languages, even though it's an event that targets individuals in the United States. They sure. could even be targeting those in a single city. So again, either doing your research and understanding who your target audience is or partnering with a language services company that's going to be able to help you identify the languages that you may consider can help you in some of those initial stages. And just because you've selected a list of 20 languages to start and you do your marketing in 20 languages and you have your registration in 20 different languages doesn't mean that you'll need all 20 at the event. Mm. You're going to see who you were able to reach, who actually registered, and based on that information, you plan for what languages will you offer at the event and even at each part of the event. Maybe your event has multiple sessions and most of your Spanish-speaking audience is only interested in one of the sessions. Okay, so let me let me break this down for Lynchpin Nation because we typically do two different types of events. We do, uh, so we'll talk about it in terms of the funnel. So top of the funnel versus kind of more in the bit middle or bottom of the funnel. So I think sometimes we're doing an enrollment style event where we're casting a really wide net and this is a relatively cold audience that's gonna be in the room. And typically mm -hmm. those are done virtually. And that's where we're leveraging the virtual platform in order to be able to cast that super wide net. And when we're talking about those type of events where we don't totally know our audience yet, like this the specific people who are going to be in the room were casting a really wide net 
I can see how what you're describing is, okay, yep, we feel like we've pretty much tapped out or tapped the, the US market and now we want to go for this event into Europe and into uh, perhaps the Australian market and perhaps in the South America market or I don't know, pick one. And you're saying we could engage a language services company to translate, to, to work with them and be like, okay, we really want this European market for this event. You could, we could work with a company like yours to identify, okay, these would be the five to 10 or whatever major languages that I would recommend translating your marketing and registration materials into. We'll go ahead, we'll cast the net, we'll run the ads, we'll see who we get. And then you're saying at that point, we can pause and say, okay, we didn't, we, we marketed in five, but really two were the predominant in terms of who we've got now in the room. And so now we go forward from that point and only translate in those couple of languages and only provide interpretation services during the event in those languages. Am I tracking? Correct. Okay. Which is part of a marketing strategy as well, right? You have yeah. A-B testing, you have multiple um, collateral, marketing collateral yep. that goes out. You're able to track how well, you know, certain copy does versus others. And you're able to get yeah. the kind of information that will help inform what, where you need to make the investment. Yeah. Okay. I'm tracking. And so then there's another type of event where perhaps we're throwing a conference for our existing audience. We know exactly what languages mm -hmm. they speak in. And so we would be able to pull them, get our, get our list of languages and kind of percentages in our in hand right away, make the decision from the beginning of, okay, everything yes. now is going to be in these, these two languages or these three for this event, mm -hmm. everything from the registration because we're not really typically marketing much is they want to be there anyways we'll get the registration the in event and the post event stuff all in these couple languages correct yeah so just a little bit it's perhaps even an easier lift than when we're doing the a b testing that you described and kind mm -hmm. of marketing in a whole lot of languages to cast a wider net for uh to a cold audience so Oh, that's so cool. I love that. I just had, I'd never thought about it that way, that we could choose that wider net of more languages for the marketing side of things at the beginning, and then use that as a test, and then kind of um, narrow down from there. So good. And it's part of entering a new market. Sometimes you don't know what you're missing out mm. on if you're not allowing yourself to expand into other markets. Many of us, especially when we have smaller businesses, um, we you know, tend to grow our business through a lot of referrals. And sometimes just putting little tidbits of information out there in other languages helps us understand whether or not there's interest in these other markets that we're currently not accessing. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. Okay, let's move on. You had mentioned in advance one of the or one of the reasons why we would want to plan ahead is that even the venue plays a role in mm -hmm. the success of interpretation inside of an event. Tell me more about that. 
So first of all, if you're doing an on-site event, which I know that's not something that many of your listeners will do, oh, you have to make we sure do, yeah, it's you both. do both. Yeah, in-person okay, and virtual. Mm -hmm. So let's talk in person first. You need to have a space and a venue where you're able to fit in the interpreting equipment. An interpreter standing next to a presenter and having to repeat everything they've said is not going to be the best experience for all of your listeners. Most people are going to half of the time be listening to a language they don't really understand. So having equipment so that people are able to simultaneously listen to the event in every single language is going to be ideal. To be able to accomplish that, you need to have equipment and you need to have your language partner that's providing the equipment partner with your AV team to make sure that the audio is coming in, equipment is being distributed to those that need to listen to each individual language and that everything happens seamlessly. If you're in a small room that sits 20 and you have 20 individuals coming, there's no room for you to fit the equipment and all of the necessary things that will be required to provide this seamless multilingual event. Now let's talk about virtual. If you choose the wrong platform or you don't know how to work the interpreting features within the platform that you select, you can have a very similar experience. There are so many times when we provide interpreters, we partner with our um, clients and we say, hey, we noticed that you're going to use Zoom. Have you used the Zoom interpreting feature before? The answer is like, oh yes, we have tons of experience. Our interpreters show up and the event wasn't configured correctly or the standard languages that are available on Zoom are not sufficient to cover the languages that are being provided for the event. Without those changes being made ahead of time, you can't make them on the spot in Zoom, which means that now you've paid for a service that you cannot offer to your listeners and you have no way of informing them that it is due to technology that you're unable to provide the service after all. So there's little things like that that you need to think about and you need to work through and understanding the venue, understanding the platform are key to being able to ensure that you have double check and confirmed each step to make sure that you will be able to provide the multilingual experience you're looking for. Okay, so what I'm hearing, I love to recap, what I'm hearing is if we're doing an in-person event, space is important. We wanna mm -hmm. have enough space, and then we also wanna make sure that we're partnering with a production company that will partner with a language services company, you know, with the language services company that we've hired to talk through these things well in advance so we can come up with the obviously the space plan to fit it all in mm -hmm. but then also the logistics plan to be giving out the equipment and making sure it's working all that stuff and then what i'm hearing is in a virtual scenario it's just making sure that the language services company is connecting with our production company well in advance of even the, the you know the zoom link being handed out to guests <laughs> so that we can configure that meeting appropriately mm -hmm. yeah because it's pretty easy relatively we just got to do it in advance uh but it's not something where if everybody's already in the meeting uh, it can be changed Right. Yeah. And also looking at the type of experience that you're looking to provide, you know, we've talked about Zoom because that's something you and I had discussed previously, mm -hmm. but there are also specialized platforms that exist that are designed for multilingual events where even things like presentation slides can be provided in different languages and they would be advancing simultaneously for the individual based on the language that they have selected to listen to. Oh, wow. And they would be able to see the content in the language and listen to the information in the language that they've selected. 
There are some that even automatically use machine translation to translate chat messages based on the language that the user has selected to read all of the chat messages. So even between participants, wow. they're able to engage with each other across different languages. So there's multiple levels of the experience that you can provide. And again, partnering with the language service provider, if you don't have the time to do the research on your own, will help you find exactly what will provide the experience you're looking for. That's fabulous. I, that, that you just, said even a couple of things that just wouldn't have even occurred to me right off the bat, which was translating the chat and also the PowerPoint slides. <laughs> and then it, it gave me just like a little bit of angst because every presenter ever wants to give you their slide deck at the very last moment. And if we're doing this event in three different languages and we wanna make sure that the slide decks are also in <laughs> that language, that, that requires a little bit of advanced planning. It does. And, and even if you decide not to translate the slides, providing them to the interpreter so that they have the opportunity to prepare on the mm. in the content, understanding what's going to come up and even recusing themselves if it's a topic that they're not familiar with. Because even if we present the initial topic, you know, once you actually look at the presentation materials, you could come to realize that it's not something that's necessarily aligned with your expertise doing all of this ahead of time allows you to bring in a professional that has that experience and expertise that will provide the best possible service. Yeah. Okay. So, so good. We talked about how it's important to find a language services company that fits your needs. What would we, I know there's probably many out there. Uh, are there things that we should be thinking about when we're shopping around for a language services company? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things to look for is experience. Mm. Um, when you go and you shop, there are so many different language services companies that exist. Um, and some of them are well ranked by Google, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to match up to the type of event or experience that you're looking for. So looking into what kind of experience do they have? Do they have experience with interpreting events or multilingual events? Or does their experience primarily lie in providing interpretation in legal or medical type settings? Somebody that is a professional and has a lot of experience in legal or medical settings might not be the best person or best suited for a larger event or just any kind of multilingual event because their experience is unique to that other setting. Sure. So looking at things like okay. that experience, um, how many years of experience, whether or not they've worked, if you're doing a virtual event, are they in the virtual space? If you're doing an in-person event, are they in the in-person event space? Do they have equipment? So if you're partnering with a language service provider and they have the interpreters, but they don't have the necessary equipment, that means that another person, another company will have to be brought in. And it could be somebody that you manage or that they manage. So looking at those different elements and understanding how much do I want to do and how much do I want them to do and do they have the knowledge and expertise to do it? Yeah, and I'll just like slide into coaching mode here. I would advocate that if you're looking to hire a language services company that you find one that is as full service as possible so that it's taking you know less requires less of a lift on your plate inside of the business you just like there's too many other things to be focusing on and i would advocate that you find a partner that knows what they're doing and has kind of the full 
menu of options that they can offer so that you're not having to piece together a solution. You know, mm -hmm. it's like why people advocate for using Kajabi. And of course, I'm a massive like Kajabi fan because it's all under one roof as you're getting started. You don't need to think about piecing together different pieces of technology, one to host your email and another to build your funnels and another one to host your website and another to host your community and another to host your podcast, it's like all under one roof. That's kind of the way I, you should be thinking about hiring a language services company. Like find somebody who is coming to the table with everything that you need. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would agree. And I think most, you know, event professionals and, and even entrepreneurs that are looking to take on the event planning on their own, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for those that have the skills to be able to cover all of that aspect of the event so that they can really focus on the content, so that they can really focus on the one area that they need to prioritize. Yeah. And so to drive this home, we're looking for a language services company that can translate all of our written materials, mm -hmm. can provide interpreters for any live interpreting that we need done, has the equipment that we can rent, has the ability to coach our and partner with our production company to give them the advice they need on setting up a Zoom, for example, or uh, advising us on space needs inside of a venue. That's kind of the range that we're looking at, right? Absolutely. Um, and also make sure that they provide the languages that you need. There are some companies mm. out there that only provide one language or okay. only provide two languages. If you need, for example, American Sign Language and Portuguese, you want to make sure it's a company that will be able to provide both. Okay. Otherwise, you also have to be coordinating between multiple service providers. Okay. Very good advice. So let's talk a little bit about the materials piece. This was surprisingly eye-opening for me. I think it's just something that I don't think about all day, every day. And so when you brought up that we need to have the materials in the right languages, give me just a smattering of examples of what we're talking about. I know we've talked about the registration site and you know, emails, but chat, what else are we talking about here? Well, let's let's talk. Let's start with the on-site events, right? It's an on-site or maybe even a hybrid event, and you have people that show up. They only speak Portuguese, which is the language that we keep going back to. But all of your signage, the arrows that are pointing people to where to go, the program and agendas that are standing, that are on uh, next to the doors, yeah. all of the information is only in English. You're going to have individuals that are not able to navigate your event very well. Our offer so, forms. Those are very important. <laughs> <laughs> offer forms. Yeah. Yes. Offer forms. Um, we talked a little bit about slides, but even slides. And sometimes you don't have to have the full slide projected in the language. You can have a QR code. Hey, if you want to follow along in Spanish, scan this QR code and open up the slides or key notes on your phone. And that's where the important links are and that's where the important information is going to be so mm, that so your audience that speaks other languages is able to access the event at the same level that someone who speaks the primary event language is able to access it. 
Yeah. Um, and every piece of that registration site from presenter bios to the schedule mm -hmm. to, um, gosh, even social media content probably too, right? It, even your website, to be yeah. honest, if, if you're looking to have a large event to bring in more customers or even to sell, you know, upsell to existing customers, making sure that they're able to access the information that they'll need to access, mm -hmm. not just landing pages for the specific content that they're sharing, but some of those other key pages that they might find themselves navigating to could help you grow the number of people that convert. Yeah. Okay. And then more, but let's talk more about the marketing piece. So we talked about social media, we talked about the registration, but obviously we're probably also talking ads, right? Mm -hmm. Ad copy. Um, what else? Could Emails. I, I think that's one yeah. thing that a lot of people forget. You know, they think about the ads and the banners and the posters and the flyers, and they forget about the copy and the email. And if somebody doesn't understand even your subject line that arrives in their inbox, they might never open up your email. Right. So we just have to think like every piece of the marketing funnel needs to have be translated into mm -hmm. the other language. Yeah. Okay. That's just a different lens. And of course, like I'm big on follow up. And so all of those materials, if we're planning on using event follow up to close sales or to nurture those need to be in the additional languages as well. Let's, let's shift over to event team. What should we be thinking about to make sure that in-person and virtual guests are taken care of during the event from a team so perspective? That's a, that's a great question because this is something that we cover in our guide and it was a little controversial because as a language company we really have nothing to do with your staff your team mm -hmm. the people that are going to be there to greet your guests but it really people like to hear their language yeah. I know many times we see you know foreign delegations that go into a country and even though they don't speak the language they'll offer a greeting in that language uh. can you imagine having your entrepreneurs these great leaders opening up an event and greeting all of the participants in each of the languages that the event is being presented in before jumping into the content. So simple things like that, you know, just a welcome or a hello in multiple different languages can really make a difference. And then to go take that another step further, having some of your event staff wear labels, I speak this language and speak directly to individuals in the language that sure. they are most comfortable with. That's going to be another level of quality and customer service that's going to be exhibited throughout the event. They're going to create a rapport and a straight connection to somebody that's part of your team yes. during the event. Now you can always bring in an interpreter to facilitate a conversation, but if you invest in just having one or two bilingual staff that are there for one or two of the key languages, it helps build that connection and they're more likely to convert, more likely to accept an offer. If there's somebody that speaks their language that they'll be able to communicate with beyond that day of the event. Yeah, so that's something where we would wanna consider doing that at registration when we're welcoming people, 
and giving mm -hmm. them their materials that then perhaps at the offer table at the back of the room or yes. in the hallway after the offer's been made and people come up with their questions. That's probably a key place. And then I do, I just think people love to hear their name and they love to be, you know, I always like beat this drum of just seen, heard and celebrated. And I think if we have team scattered throughout that are able to, that like you said, if we're labeling them so that it's easy to identify, you know, I speak Spanish, whatever, um, and people can identify and know that they have someone kind of representing the brand, the business that they can go and talk to, just milling about throughout the event. I think that's huge. Yeah. And I think, is that something that can be hired? I imagine. So I used to do corporate events and destination management companies are a, a big um, thing that we lean on in the corporate space. And... I know that it's a service that we could hire staff from the local area that just would know mm -hmm. the ins and outs of where you could go for a run or if you had a little extra time and you wanted to go shopping or just wanted to learn a little bit more about the local area that we could just hire somebody and have them sitting at our registration desk and they'd always be available to be the local expert. Is there something like that in the language space where we could just hire somebody to, we could train them up on, this is kind of our, you know, our shtick? So it depends on where the event is taking place, but yeah. yes, this is something okay. that you can always do. Um, I can tell you that we have partnered with universities and university students are always looking for these types of opportunities. Ah. And it's a great place to look. And again, if you have a language service provider that has experience doing a lot of these events and they, they can help coordinate and facilitate some of this. Um, but again, it's yeah. going to depend on the location and how diverse the population is of the specific location you have chosen. Okay. Then I suppose we could always pay to fly people. <laughs> yeah. Which is another option. <laughs> okay. I, I just think that feels so important and personal mm -hmm. and something worth exploring. But you also mentioned perhaps if cost is a concern that we could set up a phone line or something, you know, mm -hmm. having a sign there, kind of like if you're at the airport and Delta has those signs that say, we just want to talk to somebody right now, call this number. And that would kind of be an alternative where we, we're not paying to fly somebody in and house them, but we are paying to have somebody available all the hours of our event by phone and here's the number. Yes, and there's a couple of ways to go around that as well or about that. You can either have somebody that has been trained in the information that you are looking to provide that's mm -hmm. available to provide it in that language. Um, a couple of scripts can go a long way, but it could be a little complicated if they have to talk a little bit more about your offer and the things that you, yep. beyond the scripts that have been provided. You can also have an interpreting line where you call in and you have the other individual with you and you are the one explaining your offer, explaining the event, explaining your content, your 30 second introduction, and you have somebody that's interpreting it for you. Yeah, that's common in the virtual space where they'll make an offer and then there'll be another Zoom mm -hmm. that people can 
go into and meet one-on-one -on -one with someone representing the company and they can ask their questions about the offer. And it would be very easy then to leverage Zoom's uh, interpreting services and have an interpreter in there and Correct. interpreting and again, for that one-to-one that -one conversation that's been being ha happening. And it would just require some planning and coordinating because one thing about the breakout sessions within Zoom is that they don't enable the interpret. They're not, you can't have an interpreter in a breakout session. So they would have to be unique links. But if you're doing a Zoom event with multiple unique links, you are able to do something okay. like that. And you can even have the interpreters be flagged to join one room versus another, depending on what room needs the service. Okay. And uh, where my brain's going right now is we could have the, we, as a workaround, we could have the interpreter stay in the main room and then all of the mm -hmm. English speaking can go into, or, you know, whatever the other languages can go into the breakouts. Uh, another thought that's coming to mind is if cost were a factor and we couldn't fly an interpreter in to sit at the offer table, we could have like a Zoom station set up right there where we have somebody interpreting. We have a, a virtual team member and an interpreter all in that Zoom and they can just, they can have their conversation at the, in a Zoom instead of, while still at an in-person event. And Absolutely. that could be a little less expensive, of course, than flying them in and housing them. One of the biggest challenges for those kinds of setups is sound. So making sure mm -hmm. that maybe there's um, specific tablet or computer stations yeah. with headphones okay. or specific rooms. So a specific meeting room, but it's really a virtual meeting room where the individual goes in and they're virtually meeting with the interpreter yeah. and a representative that's going to be able to share the information. Sure. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, that's a great like lower cost alternative while still serving the people who are in the room really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we've covered so much today, Gabriella. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you wanna make sure we get into Lynchpin Nation's hands before we're, we're done? I think we covered everything. Um, one thing that I will say when including, you know, deaf or hard of hearing individuals, mm -hmm. sometimes, we forget that there are unique needs associated with that and partnering with a language provider can also be very helpful in that, not just to acquire the interpreter or the closed captioner, but to also help orient what's the best way to broadcast the closed captioning, what's the best way or best location for the sign language interpreter. You wouldn't imagine the number of events that I see where the sign language interpreters are on the ground, so their visibility is so limited, only people seated in the front four seats are able to see the interpreter. Anybody else who's deaf or hard of hearing will have to come to that area, otherwise they won't have access to the event. So little things like that, having a partner can really help you overcome some of those challenges. And you can always ask your audience. If you have deaf individuals or even Portuguese speakers, Spanish speakers, asking them what would be your preference, what would you like to see, can give you a lot of insight as to what you should be providing for the event. Yeah, because I'm guessing that were if, if people are raising their hand to come to an event they're probably well versed in having done this before and they kind of have preferences about mm -hmm. how they 
love events to be interpreted and translated for them. That's and if they've idea. made a request and you fulfilled it, gives them one step closer to saying yes to your offer. Yes. So good. I'd love to know, what are you reading right now? Random question, <laughs> but is, I always love to end with this. That is a random question. <laughs> that is a random question. I am actually a big um, nerd. So right now I'm rereading the social linguistic process model developed by Dennis Coakley, who um, it's a model for interpreting. I do a lot of training of other interpreters. Okay. And as I prepare content, that is what I read. Um, but I do have a couple of books that are sitting in my to read lists that are more for pleasure. <laughs> I just haven't gotten around to them yet. So good. Okay, well, tell us, what have you got going on right now that we should know about and where can Lynchpin Nation find you? So you can find me on LinkedIn, Gabriella Seabach. I'll make sure that you have the link to be able to find me directly. You can find a lot of information about multilingual events on our website. We have a blog where we're constantly publishing new and updated information that relates to the guide. Um, and you can also find the guide on our website at www.cescols.com. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. I am Thank you, Sarah. Just thrilled that we had this conversation today and grateful that our paths crossed and we met and I've now got a uh, a language services company in my back pocket. Um, and uh, awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. No, thank you. I hope that Lynch Pinch Nation was able to find this information valuable and don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for listening to the Green Room Central podcast. If you loved this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram and be sure to tag at Sarah Faithler and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. That'll help me know what to create for you. Also, if it's on your heart to host your first or next event this year and you need a jumpstart, let's connect for a strategy session. Just go to greenroomcentral.com. In a two-hour intensive private session, I can help you pivot, scale, or start your event vision from scratch. Together, we will build an actionable plan so that you feel confident and clear on your next steps. Go to greenroomcentral.com right now to sign up. I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and strategy of live events. Keep going. Keep learning. If you want more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode.